The Frederick Playlist Podcast is brought to you in part by Mystery Ton Studios. Looking for a place to record your music? Welcome to Mystery Ton Studios. They are a full-service recording, mixing, and mastering studio located 15 minutes outside of Frederick, Maryland. Owner-engineer Kenny Eaton has years of experience working with musicians around the world and a passion for one thing, helping artists realize their vision. Go to mysterytonstudios.com to learn more and schedule a free tour today. That's M-Y-S-T-E-R-Y-T-O-N studios.com. Your music matters. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome into the Frederick Playlist Podcast. Um, I am here, Colin McGuire, I am here with uh, Mr. Jonathan Towns. Is that how you pronounce your name, sir? That's perfect. Okay, good. Um, I always love doing these specific um, episodes because we've never met. Um, and some people I've had in, I, I know ahead of time and we've talked ahead of time, but you and I have never really talked. So no, we've never, not even really, we've just never. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I hope that we get a chance now, uh, to, to talk because it's a podcast and it would be odd if we didn't talk, it'd just be silence. Uncomfortable. Yes. Right. So you, um, I know that you were here once to do a video, right? I did a video and an interview. The and video was for, they were both for 72, 72 hours. hours yeah. Yes. And that was, was that, you put out an album, I think this year or was it last year? Uh, for that, that was, that was last year. That, that was, was 2016. Okay. And then I just finished, I just released one uh, a couple weeks ago okay. on the 5th of October. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know it was that recent. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get, <laughs> right. we'll get to that. Um, but first, I kind of want to start uh, about how you got into music in the first place, when you started to play, and what inspired you to pick it up? Uh, well, I started playing when I was five. Okay. I started playing violin. Oh. Uh, I knew I knew early that I wanted to play music mm-hmm. from about the time I was three, but I wasn't... Uh, old enough or big enough to play the violin (laughs) so um i had to wait until i was five so i played that for about 11 years and then started playing guitar when i was when i was 10 okay so they kind of overlapped a little bit and then the violin fell off did you immediately start playing your own songs did you start writing or did you pick it pick it up to cover things no but it was always a question that i had um uh, I remember asking my mom early how to what makes a song, mm-hmm. uh, and I was probably five or six when I asked that. Mm-hmm. So I'd been wondering the whole time, but listening to music actively, trying to figure out what was going on or what made it so magical. What does make a song? That's a good question. Now that now that you make songs, uh-huh. what to you makes a song? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, there's something that that. Uh, is triggered in maybe chords mm-hmm. or melody. Um, I'll hear uh, I'll hear an idea or I'll, I'll feel something from something will just sort of uh, vibrate mm-hmm. or resonate, uh, and then I know that's an idea that that I can develop. Mm-hmm. I'll just hear something that I really like. Uh, <clears throat> I know that uh, in listening to music for so long there was a period that I would hear other music or other melodies or other songs in my head when I wasn't playing and I always know that I'm on to something if I play something and then a couple of hours later that idea comes back mm-hmm. and sticks uh, and so then I'll uh, go work on it but I've been doing it long enough that I just from from doing it 
understand what's going to work and what's not going to work. They say that the first, you have to write about 100 songs or maybe it's 10,000 or something before you start actually writing stuff that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Does it come easily? Does it, is, it, is it hard? Have you written songs that you feel like, ooh, within a half an hour I've got this, and other songs that it takes months maybe that you labor over? Yes, it's uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, some songs are easy. The the song that I just released, uh, "You Are the Reason for Everything," the music and the lyric, uh, the music and the melody, I wrote in about ten, fifteen minutes, mm. uh, and then the, the lyrics I didn't finish until last February. Wow! But the the idea of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually they don't take very long. The the germ, mm-hmm. the the motive, the theme of the song, doesn't take that long to develop. Uh, and I I find that if if uh, if it's taking me longer than a couple hours, then mm-hmm. it's not going to work. So you, if it takes you longer than a couple hours, you're just like I'm done with this. It's not even worth it. I don't say that. <laughs> it just nothing happens. <laughs> Um, did you have, uh, was there a time when you first started to play guitar, for instance, where you like got a, a, a group of friends together and you started to play and you sort of had the, the teenage year, early teenage year bands? I had bands, but they never went anywhere. Uh, but I mean, what, what kind of music was it when you... It was the mid 80s, so it was oh. new wave, actually mid early 80s. It was, the first band was a punk rock band. That's cool. Actually, the first band was a go-go band I played in. Do you know go-go? Uh, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Chuck I was, Brown. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I was the only guy in the band that played uh, something that wasn't percussion. Well, there's Brad. Brad played trumpet. I played guitar and bass in the band. Uh-huh. And everybody else, could. I couldn't play drums. It was amazing to hear them play. <laughs> so so you played drums? No, 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 oh, okay. I couldn't. You couldn't, Okay. <laughs> Have you picked up drums since? I bought a drum set from a guy in middle school to learn how that works. Mm-hmm. I found that, that understanding how instruments work make it easier to write. Mm-hmm. Makes it easier to write for them. Yeah, that's very true. So you must, you're must you an expert drummer now. That's what you're saying, huh? <laughs> I'm an expert knowing how it's supposed to sound. Um, so at what point then, I mean, I, I guess... You obviously write music now. Is music your first priority in life? Are there other things that that sort of take up your time? For instance, everybody I have in here always has, you know, they're kind of, uh, they adhere to their everyday jobs and they do music as a hobby for the most part, hoping that maybe they can catch some success or some luck with music or maybe even make a little extra money on the side. Is music your first priority? What else uh, do you do to occupy your time? Music is my only priority. <laughs> um, I, I have I've had jobs. Uh, music always gets in the way. I I get to a point where I think I'm going to quit playing music and I get a job mm-hmm. because I need to be able to support myself. And then I have the job, and then I start playing music again, and then I get conflicted, mm-hmm. and then the job stops. And so now you're just playing music again. The I'm producing. I'm not really. Produ- oh, okay. I'm looking for gigs. I didn't know you were you were a pr- producer as well. Have you worked with anybody around here? No. No. Have you- I'm, I'm expensive. I'm too expensive. You're too expensive. So who have you worked with then? Uh, a couple people in New York. Oh. Uh, but most mostly it's uh, it's me that I'm producing. I 
I was a recording engineer in New York for oh, a few okay. years. So I learned how to make stuff sound the way it needs to sound, at least for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so you moved to, this is a whole piece of the story I didn't know. You moved to New York. I went to, well, I went to school in Boston. Okay. I, I came back to Frederick mm -hmm. and then I moved to New York. Where'd you go to school in Boston? At Berkeley. At Berkeley? Yeah. Okay. And what'd you go for? Did you go for a recording or did you go for guitar? I applied as a music production and engineering major, which is mm -hmm. recording. And then shortly after I got to school, I decided I wanted to be a jazz composition major. Oh, okay. And how did that go? That was awesome. That <laughs> jazz composition. Mm -hmm. So much of that is, so much of jazz music is freeform and sort of no. sporadic. I mean, a lot of it is is a lot of, like, performance-wise. No, none of it is. There's no conversations going back and forth? There are conversations. The there there mm -hmm. are, but it's 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 super strict in, in the way that it's ordered and structured. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that that it's structured, yes. But, but I, well, go ahead, I'm sorry. But no, no, you go ahead. No, <laughs> that's, no, well, so you, you went to, you went to, I'm assuming that's what your degree is in then? I don't is, have a degree, but oh, that's what it would have that been. What, that's what it would have been in. What did you learn then? What's the biggest thing you took away from Berkeley? I learned how to, I, I started to learn how to actually play my instrument. Mm -hmm. I learned uh, a lot of the lineage of, or the jazz history. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned t to play with people. It was the first time I ever got groups together to play my own music mm -hmm. as a as a composer, but also uh, as a band leader. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, <laughs> it sounds so important. It didn't sound that great, <laughs> but it was a really good experience. I just can't, there's no improv in jazz, you think? There's no, uh, Ornette Coleman had a, has a, uh, way of thinking about music called harmelotics mm -hmm. and you're actually improvising your, I think the way that it works is you hear what someone else is playing and then you play against that. Mm -hmm. But he also says the only true improvisation is if you don't actually know what you're playing, if you're playing an instrument that you never played, mm -hmm. because it's not really improvisation if you're using, um, if you're using things that you've used before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could, that, that's, that makes sense. So did you play drums? No, I played guitar. <laughs> yeah. I actually had a group with a guy, we would go into a room and we would take instruments and put all the instruments on the floor and we would play each other's. And he was a drummer. I mm -hmm. played guitar and there's another guy that played guitar. Uh, and we would put everything that we had in the room, on the floor and we would record it we would play chairs and blinds and tables and our instruments and hmm. other things so that was improvisation yeah that, that that i guess that's that's sort of what i was talking about earlier with with sort of uh i, I do know that there's structure and everything but there's also a lot of room to breathe in jazz music as well i think a lot but you're going to disagree it of course like. <laughs> of course <laughs> this is good we should just debate this the whole time this is this will be fun. It's a, it's not. I don't. Th it's not true improvisation. Mm -hmm. um, you have a in jazz. You have a chord structure, and you're playing the notes of the chords. It's like playing arpeggios, mm -hmm. but you connect the notes melodically. Mm -hmm. uh, so in order to play a jazz solo that sounds somewhat coherent, you can't really improvise because you have to. St it's like driving. 
Mm-hmm. When you drive down a road, you can you can take exits and you can go straight. You can stay in one lane or the other, but you're still moving down that road, mm-hmm. and you still have to make all the turns. And you, you so you have a map mm-hmm. and you know where you're going. Yeah, and you decide who's going to play when. You have a you have what yeah. we call the head, the melody, and the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are. I mean, I've made some records that are all improvisation, mm-hmm. and those are some of my favorite ones where we just start playing. Mm-hmm. So that would be. That, that would be the improv, the improv uh, sort of, okay, all right, well, we'll move off of this. We'll move <laughs> off of this for now. Who, who are some of your favorite jazz artists, if I can ask? My favorite, I have two. Uh, a friend of mine from school, uh, two, two favorite guitarists, Kurt Rosenwinkel and Alan Holdsworth. But there are so many. There's so, yeah. There's so many people. I mean, the, the, the tops or the top of the list would be, uh, Coltrane and Miles, mm-hmm. um, Weather Report. Do you prefer one over the other when it comes to Coltrane and Miles? It depends on <laughs> it depends on the mood. It depends on the mood. <laughs> um, although I have phases where once I start listening to Coltrane, I don't listen to anything else. Mm-hmm. And then once I start listening to Miles, there's, I mean, the Coltrane phase is going for like years, and mm-hmm. that's the same with Miles because mm-hmm. there's so much in that music. And especially with Miles, there's so many different uh, periods mm-hmm. uh, that you can spend a lot of time in. So you, how long have you been back in Frederick? Uh, since, uh, for about a year and a half. A year and a half? Yeah. And this was coming from New York? Coming from Northern California. Northern California. So how did you get out there? <laughs> I, I moved to, I was tired of the rain and the darkness and the cold of the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Tucson. Okay. Where I wrote the new song that I just released. Okay. And then I moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. And had a job and got burned out. What was the job in L.A.? Managing apartments. Oh, that would burn anybody out, I think. Yeah, seven days a week. Ooh. For, for two and a half years, it was. Ooh. And then, and then in Northern California. Okay. And then in Northern California, what did you do there? <laughs> Ran out of money. <laughs> I actually, um, I had a... I worked on being comfortable on stage. Mm. Uh, I figured that as somebody that wanted to perform, it was important to be comfortable in front of people. Mm-hmm. So I spent that time uh, going to open mics and having a couple of gigs, working on stage presence, being comfortable on stage. Did you form a band out there? I tried. How did that go? Didn't. It didn't. <laughs> so what was so hard about uh, forming a band? Finding the musicians or finding the different, the right vibe, I guess? Finding the musicians, mm-hmm. finding people that that, that want to play what I want to play, or I, I can be intense, so I think maybe. So you want to be a band leader. You don't want to be. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just that usually in situations there isn't one, at least that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would. I would love to be in a band where I'm not the band leader, but we'd have to be playing stuff that I like. Yeah. <laughs> well, what kind of stuff do you like? What are you listening to the most these days? I'm listening to a lot of classical music right now because I'm working on some... The song that I'm working on has a full... Is it a full... It's a full orchestra, I think, oh. behind it. So I'm listening to a lot of classical music to get my head in the right place. Who are some of your favorite composers? Stravinsky is one of my favorites. Okay. Stravinsky, 
Am I thinking correctly when I think of the Rite of Spring? Yep. Okay. Yep. The Rite of Spring, Petrushka, Firebird. Yeah. Do you like those pieces? I love those. Okay. <laughs> I love those. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of classical music that I like, but I prefer either Baroque music or hmm. uh, 20th century or new, newer music mm-hmm. that gets away from uh, standard th- uh, harmony. Mm-hmm. Sort of, as you say, as we say in jazz, haunted house music, kind of just noises and sounds. Mm-hmm. Do you like any pop music? It looks like a no. <laughs> I do like pop music. I like pop music. I stopped listening to the radio in about 1993, 94. Okay. And so are you connected to any type of pop music now if you don't listen to the radio? I love the Beatles. Okay. But they're not really pop. Well, what what would you consider them? Just amazing music. Just amazing. That their own their own uh genre. I mean, I genre. the stuff I like Jeff Buckley, but Jeff Buckley isn't pop, you know. I don't think mm-hmm. he ever was. Mm-hmm. Um I I like the Foo Fighters. Okay. Chris Cornell. Yeah. Pretty awesome, but such a loss. Yeah. Um did you how about Tom Petty? Tom Petty is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so what did how how were you affected? I've talked to so many people after Tom Petty passed away. It was so unexpected. Mm-hmm. When 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 musicians die, uh, and it is the same thing with Chris Cornell and same thing with uh, Chester Bennington too from Lincoln Park. I know that affected a lot of people earlier yeah. this year. How does it affect you? Does it really kind of hit you when you see some of these songwriters and these people who wrote this timeless music go? Well, at this point, I'm sort of numb because people keep dying. Yeah. Uh, whenever someone passes away, it reminds me that there sort of isn't anyone to fill that space. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a large void, uh, primarily because people don't make music the way that they did mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, there are a lot of uh, home studios and... Uh, people that are making music on their own and there's a lot of computer music but they're not they're not big studio lockouts anymore and bands that that write records that way anymore do you think it's a it's a better time now for music than it was say 50 years ago no no and is it because of the technology is it because of uh it's because there aren't any gigs there are gigs but people aren't making money the way they used to that's true uh, people can't, aren't able to practice their craft, mm-hmm. meaning they don't have performances, mm-hmm. uh, and it's that way across the board. Certainly, the technology uh, makes makes uh, the tools more accessible. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening to recordings that I did when I was ten and twelve, and there are things that I can do now because I can afford. I can afford the tools, the equipment mm-hmm. that I couldn't then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the technology has made the production of music much easier. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the olden days, the record labels and gigs acted as a filter. Uh, and you really had to be on your game to get a gig and you had to be on your game to get a record deal. Mm-hmm. So the music, I think, was of a higher quality. That's interesting. So, so now y- you feel because uh, it, it's so accessible, 
anybody can write and perform and record music and have be exposed at least through the internet in ways that you couldn't 20 or 30 years ago it's watered down it has watered down music as a whole I just think there's a lot more. I don't know if it's watered it down. I mean, there are more people. There's more people doing it. Mm-hmm. So anyone can have anyone can have a website <laughs> and put their music out. Yeah. Uh, and I also think that I think that people are influences of. Uh, what people have as influences are different, um, aren't necessarily as deep as as they were in the past. Mm-hmm. Like a pop, a pop or rock or blues artist from uh, that that may have been famous in the '80s or even the '90s, their influences would have been people from the '20s and '30s and '40s and '50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of people. And just in in talking, mentioning my influences, mm-hmm. and seeing that we have different that our our points that start for our influences are, are different. Um, and if you talk to anybody that's really really successful, and you start talking to them about their influences, you see that they range. There's a wide wide range of influences. So I think that's a little different because if you can make a song by just coming up with some beats, not that I mean I can't do that mm-hmm. i'm not good at coming up with beats and doing that stuff but if you don't actually have to understand harmony and theory and chord structure and you don't listen to any of that stuff mm-hmm. uh, then your music is going to be different but you you just said too that there's a, a wider range of influences now um many people could consider that a good thing more more influences to pull from rather than just sort of have this concentrated um selection what would you say to that? Would you say, you know, the the wider the pool is to influence, uh, the more, like you just said, you, you 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 don't think that's a good thing? I think it's the depth of the influence. The, okay, so it's... I think it's where it's coming from. Okay, so it's wider but not deeper. Right. Okay. Um, and there's also something you mentioned, too, that I think is in a worthwhile talking point you said it's hard to make money now or it's, it, people made more money then yes but but the argument there was an argument too and i've i've interviewed a ton of people about this over my career that at one point people were making too much money i'd be i'd love to make too much money <laughs> well of course everybody would love to make too much money but but the record industry and the the business of making records inflated so much that it got like i've i've had people tell me, you know, lunch budgets for major record label companies back 20, 30 years ago where they were insane, you know, and you don't need that much money to go to lunch, for instance. Yeah, but you need to spend money to keep studios open. Yeah. is the, Do you see a happy medium, though, be between, well, people were overpaid and now they're underpaid, come to the middle, or should it always be overpaid? I don't think there is a middle when you're dealing with business. I mean, the... the function of a business is to make money mm-hmm. function of corporations is to make money and to grow mm-hmm. so i don't think you can have a middle ground so you think musicians deserve to make millions and millions of dollars musicians never oh, some musicians make millions and millions of yeah. dollars it's like athletes you I mean, were more able to make millions and millions of dollars 20 years ago than you are now yes 
I'd I'd settle for I'd settle for fifty thousand a year. Okay. <laughs> I don't need millions. <laughs> well, you know, you can do that. Being in a a touring cover band, for instance, there are tribute bands around that make tons of money. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think I could play that yeah. style. My, my fingers don't do that. <laughs> well, where I wanted to get to that too. Yeah. Where do you typically play around here when you do play? I've played it. I've only played at a couple of places. I've done some. Uh, I've done some open mics and I've played uh, solo acoustic, mm-hmm. which I thought would be a good idea mm-hmm. to get into. Uh, singing and playing mm-hmm. that would be easier than getting a band together but it turns out places like to book bands that's true they do <laughs> well you can put together a band maybe after this podcast okay. we'll, i'll get some calls <laughs> well yeah that's what i was gonna, <laughs> we'll give everybody your contact information if you want to uh join a band are, are there any places that you go to around here to see music that i actually hmm, I'm i'm a terrible musician i don't listen to music Except when I'm working on something and I don't go to see live music. So there are no local artists who you know or like? <laughs> I have friends in bands. Okay. I just, you know what, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a ter- I'm terrible because I don't go to see live music. Uh, and the reason that I don't is because I spend a lot of time trying to get... Uh, recorded music to sound almost as perfect as possible Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you can do uh, in a recording that you can't do live Mm -hmm. so I find it uh, and it's been that way when I was in New York I didn't go to see a lot of live music Mm -hmm. I'm just I've always listened to records that's what I like Mm -hmm. so speaking of records you have a new one out and I wanted to get to this however briefly as well so you used I didn't know it was so recent. You put it out only a few weeks ago. It was going to be Christmas, but I decided that I didn't need to wait. <laughs> so what's the name of it? It's called You Are the Reason for Everything. And that's also the title. There's a title track? No, that's it. It's that's, a single. It's just the same. Okay. Single. So you, you so you just have this. Did you print any or is it just online available? It's it's online at my website. Okay. JonathanTowns.com. Uh, I don't print. I don't make physical CDs anymore Mm -hmm. because I ended up, you buy, I bought a thousand at a time. I think I had three or four releases Yeah, and I had, uh, 3,980 discs. (laughs) Uh, and now with streaming, uh, I really don't have to do the records. Mm -hmm. Uh, and because the turnaround is so fast, putting something up i can just do singles now mm-hmm. unfortunately it's tough to get reviews of just singles but that's true yes it's it's a lot harder to do that you said you wrote this song in arizona yeah when i moved to tucson and can you and well i should also say this too at the end of these podcasts we always play a song okay. so hopefully if you could email me the song that we could edit in at the end sure i mean i could we, i could do it we could edit that and i uh, okay. i have a link Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. Okay. But um, at the end of at when at the end of this interview, for people listening, you will hear this song. Um, can you? What went into the writing? You went to Arizona and you wrote it there. What inspired it? That was like so many of the songs. I just started playing some chords that I liked. Mm-hmm. I was in a writer's block, which is one of the reasons why I felt I could leave New York because I didn't really have a reason to be there anymore. I went 
to get more grit in mm -hmm. my music and I wasn't at 38 I didn't have any more songs mm. so I moved to Arizona and I bought a little guitar after getting rid of all my stuff uh -huh. and I started playing I just started playing this uh, this song and it really it's one of those things a lot of times I'll play a chord and then I'll play another chord and I'll play another chord and that's it mm -hmm. and then I'll and I'll play those three or four chords for about 10 or 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really am conscious of because I know that if I play two or three chords that I like over and over, mm -hmm. I'm going to have a hard time making that into something else, which is why the songs take about 10 or 15 minutes because I get all the material and then I'm in a box with that chord structure mm -hmm. and I can't develop it mm -hmm. because that's all that I hear. So that song really was... It's an E minor chord with an E minor over F sharp and then an A. Super basic chords. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the, the bridge of the tune came uh, a few weeks later, and then I stuck them together, and they worked. Why was it Arizona that you went to? Because I had visited, and it was so different from being in New York. Mm. I remember going out to a place with a friend, and... Uh, we got out, and it was a big field, and there was no sound, no sound, zero. No wind, no bugs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was so different from what I've experienced so far that I thought it might be a good fit. And did it inspire you in the way you kind of hoped it would? No, it didn't. No? <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be a really small town with two people in it. <laughs> it wasn't. Well. <laughs> I, was ready to, I was ready to retire, like, mm -hmm. from life at that point, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to be around as few people as possible. I see. And this song came from it, though, from that. It did. I wrote, I think I wrote, um, I wrote two songs while I was in Arizona. Mm -hmm. the, the one that I released, actually, and the one that I'm working on right now. Uh, is that your question? What? No. <laughs> it was the, the question was... Uh, the question was, you know, there was value in going out to Arizona. So even though, even if you didn't, if it didn't inspire you the way you were hoping to, at least you have this song. Oh, right? yeah. There's value in any situation mm -hmm. from which a song is produced. So it's totally, totally worth it. I mm -hmm. actually, there was another song that I had written just before I left New York, "Round the Bed," that I actually did the version of that I, the most recent release of that. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do a couple things. That's cool. So what's next for you now that you, this came out this month? You're working on another song, you said. Um, but do you have any shows lined up? Do you have anything? This is my manager. Is <laughs> we're, we're working. I'm looking, trying to get some things set up. Here in town? or In town, in everywhere, okay. as far as it, wherever I can find a gig. Have you ever toured? No, I'd love to tour. Okay. But I'm getting old, so. <laughs> yeah. It makes it difficult. Traveling's hard. Yeah. Drive, driving long distances can be very, very hard. The older you get, especially. I'm learning that myself. Yeah. Um, so 2018, we're almost done with 2017. Wow. 2018, can you give us a couple things to look forward to, a couple goals you have for next year? Uh, gigs. Gigs, more releases, mm -hmm. and that's, I mean, that's what I do. I mean, I write songs, mm -hmm. so more music. I have another song that I went to L.A. to to record a couple months ago. Wow, and they're, they're, all the songs are old. Mm -hmm. That The song that I recorded in L.A., uh, I wrote in 93. 
Oh, wow. I wrote about, in 91, I wrote about 21 songs. Hmm. I have a backlog of hundreds of hundreds of pieces of music that need to be completed. So uh, I'm hoping to be able to do some of that if I can find more musicians. That would make the work go much faster. So 2018 is, I'm looking at releasing more music and and playing for as many people as possible. Um, finally then, uh, you lived in LA, you lived in New York. Is there any, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if you had sort of a favorite story from living in New York and living in LA that you could share with us. A favorite memory from that, from those times in your life. Well, New York is all memories. <laughs> I got there in in 97, the beginning of 1997. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the clubs had started to close, but there were still so many places that had really great music. Mm -hmm. And 97, 98 was when drum and bass was getting really popular. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that sort of electronic music then. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had some gigs and just that whole that whole period of the late 90s, pre-9-11 New York, mm -hmm. um, was a feeling that I'll just keep with me for the rest of my life. Hmm. A lot of fun? It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. There was, uh, well, I was 27, 28, so everybody was around the same age. Mm -hmm. uh, there was there was a lot of really great music. There probably still is a lot of really great music, but just the feeling of uh, of the late '90s. The '90s, I think, was an awesome time for music. Mm -hmm. It was an it was a really great time for a lot of things, and we were still we still had some of that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was really neat to to live in New York and experience all of that New York stuff that I had been seeing in movies and on TV, mm -hmm. and to actually be there. And California was the same way. I mean, it, nothing really specific because I'm, I don't store memories like that. Mm -hmm. um, they all sort of go into a gestalt. And I have a, just a feeling. So California, I'd always wanted to live in California. And my favorite part of California is the north. So just traveling up, even Route 5, just driving up Route 5 or the 1 or the 101, uh, and seeing the coast and going up into Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, going to my magic, it's just like my magic place. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, so again, one more time for people who want to learn more about you, your website is jonathantowns.com. That's it. And that's J-O-N, right? J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Uh, are you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm no longer on Twitter. Uh-oh. Why is that? Because I don't tweet. Okay. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know how it works. So, well, what, what, what are your uh, handles on Facebook and Instagram? Jonathan Towns? That's it, Jonathan okay. Towns. There's 12, there are 12 Jonathan Townses on Facebook, but I'm Jonathan Towns. Jonathan Edmund Towns, I think. One oh, of those. Okay. I'm so easy to find. Easy to find. You can Jay. Google me. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to hear now um, this latest uh, song, latest single from you. Um, you are the reason for everything. Yeah. I, but are any any last words about the song that you'd like people to know? 
Uh, there, there's some orchestral orchestral parts on it. Uh, it. My idea with anything that I produce is not to make it realistic, but to come as close to the come as close to what I was hearing in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that song is is really about California. There's a when I whenever I play that song, I feel all of my experiences in California. Okay. Uh, we're here. We're seeing Jonathan Edmond Towns on on Facebook. That appears. Okay. Well, fair enough. Again, thank you so much for coming, Jonathan. We really, really appreciate it. Um, thank and, you for having me. And again, everybody, JonathanTowns.com. If you want to find out more about him, purchase his music, help support him, uh, overpay him. Don't. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please, please overpay. Please, please overpay him. <laughs> And uh, again, we'll we'll talk soon, but thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Colin. (laughs) 